Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. And well, welcome back, Greg Hemmings. Hi. How have you been? Where have you been? What's new and exciting? Um, and 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 we have to do a little teaser about our guest because we got some really good feedback from Jim on doing a bit of a teaser at the start. So I'm going to put okay, it back to you good. to find out what's new and okay, exciting because well, you've been doing travel around the world. Yeah, I understand you went and watched the Philadelphia Flyers play. Yeah, I I went to see the Philadelphia uh, Flyers and they. Those guys really know how to get the ball into the basket net. They're really <laughs> excellent. And, uh, so, yeah, I was at the B Corp uh, Champions Retreat last week in Philadelphia, and I did not see the co- hockey game, although I promise you I would. But but tell me you ran up some stairs and did I a did. rocky. I did. I actually ran up the stairs. I did a rocky, um, and I actually jogged five kilometers after uh, – after uh, a late evening of getting in. So that's pretty good, right? And then I did the Rocky thing. So where I'm coming in from directly right now is Bathurst, New Brunswick. And I think we may have had some guests from up that part of the way. And it's about a four-hour drive. And uh, I just got in. And we screened The Millennial Dream last night uh, up there. Hmm. And we're on a little bit of a tour with this film that we've done. And um, as a nice transition into our guest, one of our partners in making this film actually happen is on the phone, Karina LeBlanc from the Pondish Bondi Center. Welcome aboard, Karina. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. What do you think of Greg's segues? <laughs> Are they brilliant? First, or I what? was confused, but then you know it all made sense. <laughs> it all he does that. He's like he just throws us off, and then boom, and then just nice smooth transition. Here's the thing. Karina is um, Karina and I have uh, we became friends a, few, a couple of years ago at the beginning of this of this millennial dream project, Dave. And uh, I think we're kindred spirits. It's possible that we were brothers and sisters in another uh, another life. In fact, I, I, I've, I've got a lot of... Uh, I would have liked that, Greg. We would have made a great uh, a great sibling couple, I think, uh, Karina. Yeah, I would have liked to have been the older sibling, though. I wouldn't have wanted to have been the younger sister. Yeah, no, I, I am by nature the younger sibling, so I, I take that role very, very seriously. So, <laughs> uh, so I, And I'm pretty sure you and Dave know each other just a little bit, so it might be a good opportunity, Karina, for you to give your bio and your introduction uh, to Dave and to our listening audience. Sure, be happy to. I'm really, really fortunate to work for the Pondish Bande Center, which is part of the University of New Brunswick. And uh, we have a mandate to look at kind of stimulating young people into being active and engaged change makers uh, for the purpose of um, improving, you know, New Brunswick and the region and being global leaders as well. And so we're really, really, really lucky to work with a lot of great young people um, and to also support this emerging uh, business for good ecosystem um, that New Brunswick has really taken a leadership role on and really kind of uh, advocate for and fund and mentor uh, early stage social entrepreneurs. So we do we do both of those things. And I, I come to that from a career in in. Uh, uh, Fortune 500 companies, startup companies, and then a real passion for social innovation and, and social impact through the YMCA. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. 
Um, now, the question that comes to mind with the the young spirits we have on this call is what what does it be? What does it take to be a you, you say young? What does that mean? What, what, what like, are you asking, it, Dave? Well, I'm just you trying. Know, I'm, I'm, you, am I, do I rule fit? number one? Do I fit? You never ask somebody if they're pregnant, nor do you ever ask if they're young. No, I'm not asking if Karina's young. <laughs> she's I'm asking, young. I know she's, she's young. I don't think she's pregnant, but she's... But, but, okay, but, but, now uh, I've gone way... Okay, yes. Let's rewind that one. Okay, God, edit that out. Now, okay, no, no, please keep that in, because <laughs> otherwise it would be... Just wouldn't be us. No, no, yeah, but no, but like when you say young, I'm just, I'm just curious, like what, is there an age? Yeah, or it's, is a, there a, it's a good a, question, uh, Dave. A state of mind or... Yeah, well, it's interesting when we were um, not only developing the Millennial Dream film and the movement, um, but then this world tour that we're on uh, sharing it, we get that question often because we talk about millennials, which of course are a somewhat defined generation Mm -hmm. between the early 80s to the early 2000s. But the dream that they share, this worldview, this value system, um, is something that anybody can carry in their heart. So we've said that even as Gen Xers and boomers that we can be millennial dreamers at heart too. So Mm -hmm. as far as the PDC is concerned, we work with everybody from the super young all the way down to middle school to, you know, those who are in cool. retirement and looking for a second career. So there is no no age. Okay. Well, that, well I'm glad I asked the question. Thank you. Thank See, you. there are I no am, dumb I'm questions. Sorry, I'm sorry oh for goodness. trying to throw in the bus. I, well, yeah, there we go. Because I tried with the flyers. Well, see, see, Karina, uh, he always tries to stump me by giving me hockey questions, and he knows I can't Karina answer Karina knows. She listens to all these, I'm sure. No, she knows. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Karina, what, what, like, t- tell us about, like, give us some examples of some of the folks you've been working with like and, and particularly like when you say you know when you're talking about kids in middle school and stuff I'm just I'm really curious about the um, the entrepreneurial spirit that you see in in, in the the very you know the, the the younger of us um, what are they bringing forward to you yeah so we work mostly with post-secondary students um, of course being inside UMB but we do that across the province um, and every year we we choose 25 amazing post-secondary students um, to be ambassadors for the center. And and their role, uh, while they learn lots of really cool stuff about entrepreneurship, is to spread that entrepreneurial mindset amongst their peer groups. And so they've done a lot of really interesting campus projects over the years, everything from creating Fred Talks, um, which is a, obviously a play on TED Talks, but Fred has talks. been an incredibly successful cool. uh, two years and running event now that sells out within hours. Wow. Um, to the Matt Allison students who, who helped uh, found something called Startup Sackville, which is a partnership between Mount A and the municipality of Sackville, and it's a multi-day event uh, promoting and celebrating entrepreneurship, and that was all started by our student ambassadors. So we've got a lot of really um, amazing <clears throat> folks who are kind of taking on these new challenges and learning to be initiative takers and to be leaders, and that's really neat to watch them kind of come to, you know, the potential that they have within themselves and the belief within themselves instead of waiting to be told what to do. And the really neat thing that we're doing this year is we're piloting all of that programming with high school students. So we're going down wow. another layer down and uh, in partners, this is in partnership with SHAD. Nice. And SHAD is a Canadian organization that has been putting on these amazing summer experiences for high school students for the last uh, several decades. And what we're doing is we're connecting those returning high school students with the entrepreneurial ecosystem when they come back. This so, is, and then, so good. Yeah. So we're really like, we have more than a hundred alum gone through the student ambassador program now. And, you know, with the Shad community, we're just, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of young people in New Brunswick now who are 
you know, turned on to not just entrepreneurship, but innovation, social innovation, creativity, you know, and, and not waiting for permission to lead, but actually kind of doing it. So that's, it's a really kind of inspiring bunch to be sitting around. Oh yeah. What a, what an awesome job to have. Um, yeah, kind of lucky. Yeah. I'm thinking that, um, now, and, and they're lucky to be, to get interact with you. Um, here's, here's, and it just happened to me last night. Like I was, uh, I would drop my son off at jujitsu and I went and had a coffee at second cup and I was, um, um, and the, and the young woman behind that served me coffee had got me onto this drink, you know, particular drink. She said, Oh, this is my last night. So make sure you remember what this drink is. I said, Oh, what's going on? She goes, well, I'm at school and I have this other business on the side that I'm doing and it's going to take more time. I said, Oh, you're an entrepreneur. And, and she just, it was funny cause she stopped. She goes, well, like I never really thought of that because my parents just mm-hmm. you know do this and I, and I was thinking to myself you know like it's funny because because we have this label for what you know for when someone's taking initiative and she just it just never it, my sense was it never occurred to her that there was any other way to do it have has, have you been noticing that at all Karina or is that just a kind of unique experience to this this particular person yeah well everybody you know has got their own sort of stereotype about what the word entrepreneur means. And it's interesting when you work with young people, a lot of them have like a Mark Zuckerberg in their minds and they think that entrepreneurship means I need to come up with this really crazy idea in my garage and make, you know, billions of dollars with it. And it's, that's obviously a tiny narrow strip of what, you know, the, what entrepreneurship really means is value creation, right? It's about taking an idea and turning it into impact about, Mm. you know, creating wealth, about, you know, sharing wealth, all that kind of stuff comes from an entrepreneurial spirit. And so we've tried very carefully to, to, to be neutral with the language so that we can attract as many young people into the space as possible. Because a lot of times business students or engineering students, they get that entrepreneurial space but if you talk to students in the arts and social sciences, like, oh, no, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't I'm not about greed or all of that kind of <laughs> stuff associated with business. I want to save the world or I want to be a social activist or I want to, you know, whatever, whatever it is that they care about. So we're trying to show them that, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit is part of all of those things. And you can be a social innovator and an entrepreneur at the same time. And you can do those things together. You can actually make money and do good at the same time. It's <laughs> what a concept. Amazing what a concept. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, Karina, I've been listening to, because I don't read books anymore, I just listen to them. <laughs> I've been listening to Yvonne <laughs> uh, Chenard's from Patagonia, the founder of Patagonia, his new yes. book that just came yep. out called Let My, uh, Let My People Go Surfing. And I've I'm, I'm probably listening to the fifth hour of it right now, and it is so good because he was one of those people, you know, um, growing up in the 60s that saw the corporation as evil and as the beast and uh, didn't want to have anything to do with business until he found himself uh, creating solutions for his mountain climbing, climbing habits, <laughs> and he found himself <laughs> sliding into business. And what that man has done and his team at Patagonia to create a corporation that is privately owned, family owned, that is making such huge positive impacts in the world environmentally and socially is uh, it's so special. And it's really interesting that that theme comes up for you. <clears throat> I don't hear it as much, but I, you know, young people and millennials, as, as you and I have been studying a lot, there is a myth around and a justified myth, I suppose, around business and corporations being evil. But I think what you're promoting 
uh, is the complete opposite, saying, yes, business has a bad rep because it's done some very bad things in the past, but we could turn that energy into something very powerful because we know that uh, capitalism works. We just got to take the greed out of it. What do you think about that? That is a statement. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I actually was in Saskatoon um, earlier this week presenting the Millennial Dream. And, oh my gosh, uh, this thing's on fire, Karina. I didn't even I know that. I know, it's been all over the place. <laughs> and I had somebody in the audience get up and ask me that very question around this idea of, you know, well, you know, we live in this capitalistic society. So how can you stand there and talk about, you know, companies that have social mission built into their bottom line, the triple bottom line, the people, planet, profit idea. He said, you know, it's just, it's not accepted in our current economic model. And and I said, you know, that that is very true. And it's a big mountain for us to climb. But there are these movements afoot um, that are not only demonstrating, like, you know, your Patagonia example, that you can combine wealth creation with social impact. But there's a, a worldview difference in this growing market of consumers, right? So millennials and and their, you know, generations that come after them have this lens of, uh, I don't want to vote with my wallet, you know, for just any company. Like I actually care about the values of the company I'm buying from and where they get their supply chain, where, how they treat their employees, you know, and, and since it's, things are becoming more and more transparent, you have that information, right? And so while it's still small in terms of the purchasing power, these younger generations are going to start to vote significantly with their dollars. And I'm thinking like electric cars is a really good example. So Tesla, you know, is this awesome company who wouldn't want to work for them. And, you know, they're pumping out these new and affordable alternatives to fossil fuel driven cars. And any, you know, sort of the large majority of this new generation, when they're going to be able to choose between fossil fuel powered cars and electric cars, and they're reasonably similarly costing, they're always going to choose the positive alternative. So I totally believe that this this economic model of for-profit wealth creation at all costs is going to break down in light of this whole new consumer group that are going to vote differently with the way they spend their money. And that's where the greed, in a sense, is going to drive the shift towards these, you know, triple bottom line kind of companies because they're going to have no choice, right? So it's that's really, my utopian, optimistic view of what's coming. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, you, you, we're, 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 we're preaching the same gospel for sure. Last night was interesting because uh, up in Bathurst, it was such... So for the, for the listeners who don't know about the Millennial Dream, you can check out uh, more information on it at uh, millennialdream.com. You can see the trailer. And it's a film that we created... Um, to really spark a discussion around this, the the values of this new economy, and not just the new generation, not 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 just the millennials, but what are the values that are replacing the American dream? Um, so anyway, between Karina, uh, myself, David Alston, and a few others, we've just been touring this film all over Canada and the U.S. and getting some really good dialogues going on. And last night it was interesting because in Bathurst, very small community. <laughs> Massive uh, brain drain. I think the average age there is 47 years old or something, um, which is a very old population. Wow. Uh, someone gave us the stat last night. and uh, But the dialogue was so thick and awesome. It went for like an hour and a half or two hours. And I was just talking about how places like Bathurst actually can be very millennial dream 
uh, attractive um, because the the downtown cores, the local, the the ability to uh, to build a, a local ecosystem of small businesses and entrepreneurs, it's it's right there. And everybody, everybody in the room had this big smile on their face, and they all started looking at this one guy in the middle. And I was like, oh, what's this all about? And he was the local manager of the local Walmart. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they all thought that I was about to start trashing big box stores. I brought the big box store up as an example of, you know, we have a choice with our dollar about how we're going to support our communities. Do we want to spend it at the big box store or find a local alternative? Um and I, I made it very clear that I wasn't putting down the box store, but I was saying, let's be a little bit more community focused and recognize that the entrepreneur who's running the the, the Walmart uh, has a role in making sure that the local community does thrive. And that's uh, that's very that's kind of a difficult thing to state, but there's a role for them as well. You in, bet. In well, this. and they have to provide an alternative, right? I mean, yeah. in a in a in a in capitalism, you need all like, and so you know, there people are going to go to the Tesla if there's not the other car, right? right. Or, um, yeah, Karina, I got a question for you um, on a, on a personal note. Like, so you're the, I believe you're the, you're like the founding ED or executive director, correct? Yeah, that's right. And so you went through a bit of a, oh, well, not a bit. You went through a startup yourself with the center. What was that like for you? And like, what did you learn through the process? Yeah, and it's something that I really enjoy. I've discovered that I really like being at the start of new things. Um, it's neat because you walk into a space um, where there's a lot of ambiguity and you really have no idea uh, what the future is going to hold and you've got this very broad mandate. So, you know, the whole idea was go catalyze more innovation and entrepreneurship in the province of New Brunswick. That, that was that, really... That's pretty focused, eh? Yep, yep. So... <laughs> So we obviously had a very clear path of how we were going to do <laughs> yeah, that when exactly. we started. Yeah. yeah. But I love that. Like I literally, I thrive in white space. Okay. Um, and the really cool thing about, you know, what we did when we started was we did this 90-day listening tour. And we literally went all over the province talking to a whole bunch of people in all different spaces and sectors and just listening um, because we wanted to understand what does the ecosystem look like already. So how do we make sure we don't duplicate what's already out there? And where are the real gaps? Like where are the real opportunities for us to make a difference uh, as a center? So that was what really informed a lot of our work. And we found two very specific things. <clears throat> One is that this idea that young people are completely disconnected from the idea of entrepreneurship. And the other was that there really was no conversation about social entrepreneurship in the province. And so could we play that role, uh, that dual role, and start to advocate for, engage, empower, fund, you know, mentor, support, and, and accelerate, uh, you know, other individuals and organizations in the region to fill some of those gaps? So everything kind of evolved from that. Uh, and a lot of times they were just coffee chats with people and ideas came up, just like the Millennial Dream was a coffee chat uh, with Greg and Dave and Marcel about how do we attract more youth to the region and then outspun the millennial dream. Yeah, so what a cool... It's so much about who you're talking to mm -hmm. and having opportunities to brainstorm and connect and create ideas. And it's all about collaboration. Like we don't do any of this on our own. We have a myriad of partners, other organizations like ourselves, 
We work across Atlantic Canada. We have partners in Boston, in India, um, and across Canada um, that help us do this work. So we're really, really, really lucky to be connected to amazing um, change makers from all over the place. You know, it's really cool, Karina. And uh, you know, I'm not part of your organization, but I'm I'm friends with your organization. And uh, you're part of the family. I'm Greg. part of the fam. Of the I'm, I'm a little brother. And um, screening the film in Calgary recently, uh, as well as in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, the people in your space, like the people doing very similar things that you're doing, they all look at Ponish Pony Center and Karina and New Brunswick as the place in Canada doing it right. Um, everybody looks up to the model that you've, that, that you've built. And I hope you know that. <laughs> but oh, it's very nice it is really say. cool to hear these compliments saying, oh my gosh, New Brunswick is where it's at. Like the Ponish Bonnie Center is doing this. And I, I heard Karina LeBlanc talk about that. And uh, I've even had uh, people from uh, the prairies come talk to me uh, in uh, at a conference down in San Diego, of all things, saying that they, they've heard about the legends of, of New Brunswick and they've heard of the Jerry Ponds <laughs> and like yeah. something's happening. And I don't think it's got much to do with people in New Brunswick being loud about what's going on. I just think something is going on and it's happening in the right way and the word's getting out. So why don't you talk on that a little bit? What is it that we're doing in New Brunswick that's different? And the very fact is we are a challenged economy here uh, and necessity, uh, innovation and invention comes out of uh, out of necessity. But uh, yeah, what, what, what's happening here right now? Yeah, you bet. I think, I think we're definitely motivated, which is sort of spurring um, all of this activity but I really, I, I truly believe it comes down to the fact that because we're small um, and we're so closely connected to each other, like literally one, two degrees of separation between all of us, and there's a very strange desire for us to work together to figure this out. And a lot of other places, you hear this often from the outside looking into New Brunswick, a lot of other places struggle with the idea of working together. There's more competition, more building of fiefdoms. You know, everybody's trying to scramble for, you know, the scraps of funding. And so it, it creates an, a mindset of scarcity. And I don't know what it is about New Brunswick, but mm -hmm. for some reason that sort of permeates the way we do our work is we're very much um, interested in understanding what everybody else is doing and welcoming them in making it part of a larger um, kind of endeavor. Like, for example, we just literally, um, Fredericton as a community, just won an award in, that, that was awarded in Massachusetts um, for being the best uh, collaborative effort of a mid-sized city focused on building entrepreneurial ecosystems. Wow. Like, we got that in the U.S. And it's because... Um, we have this thing called the Startup Task Force, and it's literally an entity of like 18 different organizations in the city that meets regularly, that looks at how do we work together better? How do we make sure we don't step on each other's toes? How do we raise money together? How do we promote each other together? You know, and I really think that's unique. You know, it seems like, duh, like, of course we should be working together. But I think a lot of places struggle with that. And so that, to me, is what has leapfrogged New Brunswick ahead so quickly in a movement that is really quite new and young when, mm. you know, we consider about where we've come from. So I wonder, I'm very proud yeah. of that work. I wonder if it's where we came from, New Brunswick specifically, 
Um, like all the things that people are critical about New Brunswick's past, like its heavy industrial uh, heritage, these legacy family businesses that um, you know have have really stood the, the test of time, um, are oftentimes criticized as you know as issues, despite them being massive drivers of the economy. But I wonder if that family hardworking uh, hustle. Ethic that we have that came from from that last generation has helped New Brunswick stay tighter as a community. I don't, I've got nothing really to back what I just said, but it's a I'm trying <laughs> to, because Nova Scotia is not this way. They are no, they're getting true. there, but it's um yeah um I find it's harder. Yeah. I find Newfoundland is really connected, uh, but they're not. You know, I'm, I'm talking general generalizations here. Newfoundland supports their own very very well. Newfoundland, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to, from the outside to get into Newfoundland. And I think that's good for Newfoundlanders. Well, yeah. But New yeah. Brun and, and Nova Scotia is hyper-competitive against each other. But I find New Brunswick, we're, well, we're so welcoming to outsiders. And I'm sure all my friends not in New Brunswick are going to kill me right now. <laughs> you can Twitter me if you want. It's okay. Uh, but I am noticing this. You know, like New Brunswick is just a collaborative environment where competitors work with each other. They support each other. Maybe I'm just living in la-la land, but this is what I'm seeing. <laughs> I don't know. And maybe it's because we need others, right? Like, we don't have a major urban center. We don't, you know, we're not known for a lot of things in a sort of Canadian, you know, nobody thinks about New Brunswick, right? We're always sort of that last thought. And so we we need people maybe more than they need us. And, and so we have this spirit of being open and you know, wanting to collaborate because we know that's the only way that we're going to make it work is if we're partnered with others. And so, and we practice that inside too. So, but maybe, maybe it's a family values thing. I always believe that when you come from an entrepreneurial um, culture, even though it's gone dormant for a long time and we've become very reliant on things like government, that it eventually when this, you know, the stakes are high, that we go back to our roots and, and maybe that's what we're doing now. Let's 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 hope you know. And and we could man, we could we like that. We could psychoanalyze this for a while, but you know there is there is <laughs> deep deep roots here, right? And I know not being from here, you get you know people are always trying to make the understand who you're connected to and how you fit in. You know, much more so than maybe in a more transient place. Um, so, so anyways, I, I, I totally get, it. I, I find it fascinating. How did, so if someone's listening to this and they're saying, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on an idea and I'm, I'm, I have a young spirit, right? So I fit. <laughs> um, and I believe it kind of fits in this, you know, innovative kind of social piece place. Um, and I, you know, and I, I'm understanding triple bottom line. I'm kind of curious about it. Like what, what would you, what would you encourage them to do, Karina? So we run this like awesome accelerator program called B for change. And it's designed to capture the social innovator, social entrepreneur at any stage um, of their journey. So we have programming all the way at the beginning of, I'm interested in this space. It kind of appeals to me. I don't have an idea yet, but I'd really like to be part of it. And so we have a whole bunch of programming about, you know, finding passion, about meeting social entrepreneurs, about coming to events and connecting in all the way through to like, I have an idea and I'd like to test it. So we do validation training and talk about, you know, business models and, and we have showing people how to pitch and we connect them into a community of like-minded um, business for good entrepreneurs all the way up through, you know, market validation and, and launch and even, you know, scale and, and profitability in the later stages. So 
it's a very, and again, it's a partner model. So we work with other organizations across the region to deliver it. But wow. the best way is to get into our website, pond-fonde.ca. And uh, under our programs, it's called Be for Change. And you just connect with Joanna, who is awesome. <laughs> and she will have a chat and let you know where you should fit in and plug in and what programming you can tap into right away. And it's all offered at no cost. So it's a resource that's available for our triple bottom line minded uh, innovators. And, at is, any and, and is that for people like, is there, is it, you know, depending on where you, I mean, is it for New Brunswick only? Is it for anyone from well, it's, uh, our listeners are all over? Yeah, we're building it um, from the grassroots up. So most of the programming right now is in New Brunswick. We do have some partners in Nova Scotia. Um, and we're talking to folks in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland to be the next to offer some of the programming. So for now, yes, the, the bulk of it, you'll have to travel here. But uh, as we grow and as it gets bigger, the goal is to have the programming available in every corner of Atlantic Canada in both languages. Cool. So it's just a, it's a bit of a work in progress at this. So stage. it would be worth worth someone's time to, to to learn more, check it out, and and uh, worst case scenario, they they could come visit. And be yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Which would not be a bad. Um, <laughs> it's not a bad scenario exactly. at all. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, so we're, we're unfortunately out of time. Um, but Greg was talking about a book um, that he's he's been reading and enjoying. Um, you know, for the listeners, what have you come across recently that someone should check out, you know, in terms of literature or, uh, I mean, aside from the Millennial Dream, which everyone should check out. But is there anything that you've come across recently in this kind of space that, you know, being someone who's who's um, who's grounded in it and understanding it and always learning and and uh, what what should what what would someone like me read or, or or watch or experience? Well, my two favorite authors right now are Liz Gilbert and Brene Brown. So uh, Brene specializes in vulnerability, she's, which she's I think amazing. is yeah. such an important part of understanding purpose and passion. Yeah. Um, but Liz Gilbert's book on uh, it's called Big Magic. So it's probably the one that I would recommend um, because it's talking about how fear prevents us from being creative. And uh, she writes so beautifully and it's funny and, you know, witty and all that kind of stuff. So it's a but it's a really great I underline so many things in that book as kind of reminders about what are the things that are keeping us from really unlocking mm. the creativity that's within us. So Big Magic from Elizabeth Gilbert would be my would be my choice. Awesome. awesome. Thank Karina, you. Karina, thank you. It's always a pleasure. And uh, can't wait to see you in person sometime as we, yeah, as we uh, jet set past each other all the time. <laughs> that's right. Thanks <laughs> for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. And Thanks, have Karina. a great day. Thanks, you Karina. Too. Take care. See ya. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, uh, just as, as a quick wrap-up, she's uh, a truly uh, an inspirational human being, an energy, you know? Yeah. And uh, she's led something incredible. And it, it's also really neat to note that it was Jerry Pond and Deshish Pandey, both with New Brunswick Roots, uh, who put the money up to start this organization. So really awesome legacy of success, successful business leaders giving back to the community and look at the ripples that's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there's, I mean, I just think there's so much to learn in the space. And so, so it's kind of neat to hear, you know, what I liked was just hearing that whole listening tour, right? And yeah. that, that informing the programming and everything. And, and to me, um, in the work we do, like there's there, like some people are so quick to, to, 
to kind of fire, here's the product or the service before they really understand, you know, culturally what's relevant. Yeah. So I just, I just love that part of it. And, and to hear this other piece where, um, be the change, uh, is that, is that what it's called? Is that what she said? Or for change? Oh or? yeah. Uh, before change. Before change. Yeah. Um, you know, like no matter where you're at on this journey, you can. It, you know, it sounds like you can. You can um, participate. Hundred percent. That's that's and, and at no cost. My God. Yeah. So check out the Pondish Bonde Center online, folks, and also MillennialDream.com if you want to see the movie that we are talking about. Uh, and that's it for this week, uh, Dave. Really exciting uh, guest coming up next week. Next week. Yes. And uh, I, I, we if you keep... like, if you like sports, and you Which like, I do. you do. This Especially is the, the Olympics. This is the Olympics. This is the, <laughs> this is the interview for you. See you next week. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.